Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, in our gospel lesson today, John really seems to have it out for Judas. He is intent on making sure that beyond a shadow of a doubt, we all know that Judas is the bad guy. Judas was, in case you forgot, the one who betrayed him. In fact, in John's entire gospel, he never once mentions Judas without also reminding us that he's the one who betrayed him. And in today's lesson, lest Judas' seeming concern for the poor makes us think that there might be a redeeming quality about the man, John is quick to tell us that, no, 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 he was a liar who wasn't really concerned about the poor and also a thief. So is it that John just has it out for Judas or is there something deeper at play? Well, it wouldn't be much of a sermon if I didn't think there was something deeper. I don't think that John points out Judas' wickedness so much just because he needs some sort of mustache-twirling villain for his melodrama. I think it's because he uses Judas as a cautionary tale. Because all of us so easily become Judas. Now we can all be thieves and liars and betrayers, but that's not really the problem because Jesus forgives thieves and liars and betrayers. He'll do all that in the next few days. He will promise paradise to the thief on the cross. He will restore Peter who went around saying, I never knew him. He will forgive everyone involved with his death because they knew not what they were doing. And that had to include Judas as well. On the night in which he was betrayed, when he washed his disciples' feet, he washed Judas's feet. If he hadn't, John surely would have pointed it out. And when he gave his disciples his body broken for them and his blood shed for their sins, Judas took and ate as well. It's not Judas' sins that are the problem. If it were, we'd all be in trouble. And it's not that he can't be forgiven. It's more like that he refuses to be forgiven. See, Judas insists on coming to Jesus on his own terms. Judas thinks he knows what's up, what needs to be done, what the plan has to be. And so when he rebukes Mary for wasting the costly perfume, even though everyone else in the room is probably looking at each other sideways thinking, oh, he don't really care about the poor, he's just interested in a full purse. I also believe that in that moment, Judas himself was entirely convinced of his righteous motives, as he would be when not long later he betrayed Jesus to the authorities. And that is Judas' problem. 
Judas is entirely convinced of his own righteousness. Judas completely believes that he understands exactly what needs to be done even better than Jesus does. Judas is totally convinced of his own agenda. And so if he needs to, on occasion, bend the truth, or dip into the petty cash, or accept the 30 pieces of silver, well then, the ends justify the means. And for Judas, his ends are no less than the triumph of good over evil, of the deserving over the undeserving, of the wise over the foolish, of the hardworking over the lazy. And to Judas, Jesus just doesn't seem to get that. Jesus just doesn't seem to understand what's at stake. Jesus just doesn't seem to care about justice and fair play and clean living. Because if he did, he definitely wouldn't let Mary pour a year's salary's worth of perfume all over his feet and then horror of horrors, wipe them with her hair. It's absolutely indecent. It's almost as bad as that parable he likes to tell. Where somehow, the no-good wastrel of a son comes out the hero and the hard-working, respectable son is somehow the villain. Judas doesn't have time for this kind of stuff. He doesn't have time for killing fatted calves or anointing people for their burial because Judas has a world to save. But of course, it's Judas who doesn't really understand. Jesus hasn't come to ensure that the supposedly good and the supposedly deserving and the supposedly wise win out over the supposedly bad and undeserving and foolish. Jesus hasn't come, in short, to make sure that people like Judas come out on top and people who aren't like Judas don't, which in the end is what Judas is after, and whether we admit it or not, is so often what we're after as well. Jesus has come for something so much bigger and better than that. Jesus has come to raise the dead, which means the lost sons and the wasteful women and every other soul in this dying world. And so if he doesn't seem to care about fair play and clean living, well, that's because his sights are set infinitely higher. And so the caution for us is this. Whose agenda are we after? Are we like Judas, convinced of our own ends? Convinced that people like us, people who look like us or love like us or think like us or vote like us, believe like us, live like us, 
that people like us should come out on top and people who aren't like us, well, they're on their own. Or are we with Jesus after so much bigger and better things? Do we see, or at least do we want to see, that all our agendas, all our righteousness, all our achievements, all of our successes, all of our gains are to be counted as loss when compared to what Jesus has in store. That every fatted calf and pound of pure nard is really but rubbish unless we turn it over to him. To whose goals do we press on? Our own? Or do we press on to the prize of the heavenly calling of God in Christ Jesus? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.